Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. Scripture reading in support of today's sermon, with paraphrasing, are, are from four New Testament passages. From Luke 10 27, with Jesus speaking, You shall love God with your heart, soul, mind, meaning intellect, strength to indicate body, and your neighbor as yourself. In Romans 2, don't allow your mind to be squeezed into the schematic of the surrounding culture, but be transformed by the renewal, or metamorphosis is from a caterpillar to a butterfly, renewal of, the, of your mind. From Luke 1, 3, I have carefully, in the New Testament, Greek meaning acrobat, acrobat, acrobats must be careful, Researched everything from the beginning to write an orderly report about all that happened from the beginning until now. And lastly, John 20, verse 30. These things have been written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Christ, the Son of God. Pastor. Thank you, Dave. I, I invite us to pray as we uh, look at the scripture regarding our mind, how to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind. Lord, we thank you for making us uh, so special, so unique. And you've invited us to take all that we have and use that to honor and to worship you. So speak to us, we pray, through this, your word. Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I've been doing a four-part series on Christ's great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and last week we spoke about the soul and we said it's not this thing on the bottom of your foot. But it's that component that God has put into us that even makes us, allows us to think about God. And it's that component that helps us connect with God. Next week, we're looking at the fourth part, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength that refers to our bodies. So today, the question of our mind, and as I prepared this, I thought, you know, mind is an interesting word. We use it a lot in many, many different ways. 
Oh, don't mind that, you'll be fine. Or when you go to school today, be sure to mind your teacher. Or she doesn't have a mind for that. There's so many facets to the word mind. But what we see in the scriptures is that mind refers to our ability to be rational, to have intellectual dialogue, exchange, discovery, ability to think and to reason. So Jesus says, love God with your mind. Well, you know, we, we know that there's some traditions in which the mind in the church is just set aside. And it's nothing more than lots of nice religious words or nice comfy words or happy cozy thoughts. But in fact, what we're looking at is the need to understand the rational basis upon which our faith rests. So scripture indicates that our faith is not just some kind of nice, cozy feeling that we've invented from out there that makes us feel happy and nice and no. But our faith is based upon some very solid rocks. Now, one of the places where we see this illustrated very well in the scriptures is in the passage read today from Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 3. Luke was a first century physician. I know none of us have met with a first century physician. None of you are that old. But we've all met with a physician. We've gone to a doctor. And our doctors are very rational. They're very studied. They give to us the facts relative to our physical health. And so we have this first century doctor, Luke, doing this introduction in which he says, regarding the intellect, and I have carefully researched everything from the beginning in order to write an orderly report for you, dear Theophilus. Now, here's a bit of humor. You ready for this? That comes out of Luke chapter 1, verse 3. His word for careful in the original New Testament Greek is literally acrobat. Acrobat. Okay. Okay. Hey, this is no big deal. I'm just a couple feet above the ground. But let's put a tightrope. From up there to back there. And then who in here will get on the tightrope and walk across it? Any volunteers? <laughs> that is the word for 
careful. <laughs> we get our word careful from the New Testament Greek, acrobat. Now, several years ago, I was uh, when I was serving as interim pastor at First Presbyterian in Sitka, Alaska, I went for a walk and I went to the uh, nearby park. And as I came into the park, I saw a woman in her 20s or something. And she was on a tightrope that went from about here to that window. And the tightrope was about this, this high above the ground. And I saw her and I went, oh, I didn't say anything. I didn't want to distract her until she got down. But I went, hmm, that's, a, that's an acrobat and that means careful. I hope she's being careful. Well, hello. If you were to get onto one of those, you would have to be really careful. So Luke, the physician, is saying that he has been absolutely meticulous and careful in the writing of this historic account of who is Jesus. So Luke's gospel is a way, one of the ways of saying here is a rock solid foundation upon which our faith is built. It is saying here are the facts upon which we have our faith. Well, the other part of it is it also raises the, the bigger question of who is God? Because the scripture says, and God spoke, and his way of speaking was to become a human being in Jesus. Now you've heard the statistic that communication is 93% body language, only 7% words. And so God could have written a theological dissertation and sent it to planet Earth. <laughs> yeah, right. But instead, he came in a body, in the body of Jesus, as his way of being evident among us. And so the question about the intellect and, uh, and upon which our faith rests then goes back to this means by which God communicated. He did so by becoming a human. Well, I had a chance to uh, get some great theological insight about the size of God Several months ago, when I was with our twin grandsons, who are nine years old now, and we were just, you know, fooling around doing stuff. And Creighton, one of the twins, turned to his brother and said, how big is God? And his brother did this. Hmm. Let me think. Hmm. Hmm. Did that for a couple of minutes. And then he said, God. 
infinity times infinity. And so what we see then, relative to our intellect, is this God who is infinity times infinity became concrete, descended into becoming a human in Jesus. And again, for you, it goes back to the question, what are the intellectual foundations for your why belief in Jesus? Well, one of those foundations is that Jesus turned history around. We use the terms B.C. and A.D. Yeah. He, he was, hmm? there was no one else like him. Historians show that. That's a factual thing that you and I can read out of history. We also see some of the intellectual foundations for our faith, not only in terms of what Luke said about being a careful research scientist to write an orderly report. But we also see in the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John is another gospel written to give us intellectual foundations for what we believe. That our faith is much, much more than just a nice idea. For example, I assume all of you in this room have flown in an airplane. Well, really? That's thousands of feet up in the air. What's your evidence that that's safe? Well, there's scientific evidence that an airplane can go from here to there safely. And in a similar way, our faith in Christ is not just a nice idea or great religion, but it's established upon a rock, upon actual evidence. Jesus himself said it. He said, I am the way, next word, the truth and the life. I am the truth. And, and we live in a time where we're so, so hungry for the truth in terms of what's going on around us. But it was Jesus who said that he himself was, is the truth. Now in the fourth gospel, I have, I have to chuckle a bit because I was told that in the fourth gospel, the word believe or belief was used many times. I thought, okay, that's a nice idea. So I decided to check out the research and I read through the gospel of John and every time I saw the word believe, or belief, a 
put a number beside it. And you can look at this and you can see my numbers. And in your sermon roadmap, I put a quiz in terms of how many times you think the word believe or belief is used in the Gospel of John? Hmm? What, 10, 20, 30? Uh, what do you think is the correct answer? I gave you four choices. How many? 40. 40? 48. 48. Okay. Let's have another guess how many times it's used. Go ahead, try it, guess. You see those four numbers? Huh? How many times? Somebody said 95. Okay. Kristen, you win the prize. <laughs> Believe or belief in the Gospel of John is written 95 times. Take your Bible this week, check it out. It's there. And John in his gospel has a thesis statement. Remember in the, uh, in the old days when you and I were in college and we had to write a term paper? And it had to begin with a thesis statement. This paper is about da 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 and then you'll prove how that's true. This is the beginning of the paper. John's Gospel, interestingly enough, puts his thesis statement at the very end in chapter 20, <clears throat> chapter 20, verse 31. He says, thesis statement, these things have been written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. And by belief, there's those words again, by belief in him, you might have eternal life. The entire purpose of this Gospel of John is to help us with the intellectual foundations of our faith in Christ. Well, the other really dramatic part in the Gospel of John is with this character, some of you may have met him on a dark night or in a dark alley. His name is Thomas. You remember what it said about Thomas? After Jesus' crucifixion, and the disciples were going about saying, oh, man, we saw him, Jesus standing again, he's resurrected, he's not dead, and they were, you know? And Thomas said, no. Listen, when you're dead, you're dead. Everybody knows that. And Thomas said, until I can have evidence, until I can touch and see, I won't believe. Okay? He put it right out there. And then you see in the last chapter, or the 20th chapter of John's Gospel, there was another occasion that Jesus was with the disciples and Thomas was there. Jesus appeared and, and uh, <laughs> several great artists have shown 
the skeptic, legitimately skeptical, Thomas. Putting his fingers into the wound in Christ's hand to make sure that was really Jesus. Putting his fingers into the wound See, it was an intellectual issue for Thomas, a legitimate intellectual issue. He wanted to know with his mind that there was actual evidence that Christ was alive. There it is. So what I'd like you to do is to form some groups of three, four, and I want you to talk with one another. What have you learned about the intellectual foundations of our faith in Christ? So you give a sentence or two to the others in that group. And uh, so, ready, get set, go. What have you learned about the intellectual foundations that undergird our faith in Christ? Ready, get set, go. So I trust that you've uh, discovered some uh, some of the intellectual uh, foundations for your faith today in the person of Christ. I close with his <clears throat> Paul's letter to the Romans about our intellect. In his letter to the Romans, he says. Don't let the world, that is, all the systems, all the activities around us, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the word in the New Testament Greek for transformed is metamorphosis. That's where you go from this worm, as it were, to a butterfly metamorphosis. So he said, and might you be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. And a few years ago, as I began a walk with Christ, one of the things that those folks helped me understand as a new disciple of Jesus was the importance of my mind and the importance of taking his word from scripture each day. And I guess that's a sign that I'm was the understanding of using my mind to engage with the scripture and then asking myself, how do I apply this to how I live today? It's all about honoring God. 
their mind. So that's part three of our three four part series. Love God, said Jesus, with your heart. Your soul, your mind. Next week, we'll look at loving Him with our bodies. Amen. <laughs>